0: Turning our Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 5, Uh, he said in 1 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 1, we've already kind of addressed this quite a bit, it is common, it's reported commonly that there is fornication among you and such fornication is so much named among the Gentiles that one should have his father's wife and there's just gross immorality that was happening and he was talking about fornication that was creeping into the church and was having such a big effect and then he says something weird. He says, and you are puffed up it's, it's not weird in the context, but it's weird if we just read that. It's like, you are puffed up. Now, oftentimes when we read those words, we're thinking of somebody that has pride issues or something like that. And he says, and have not rather mourn. He said, you're not even broken over this sin. You're, you're doing this sin and you're just walking forward like it's no big deal. And he says, and he that hath done this deed might be taken away from you. Let, let me ask you, give you a scenario, and we, we all know this scenario well. It's like you have something, and I know there's different scenarios that we can give, but you have somebody that grew up in church, went to Iwana, vacation Bible school, prayed the prayer, got baptized, has the Awana uh, plaques in their house and the trophies and, you know, went, went into the teen class and went to camp. And man, God did a lot in their life and testified. And and then and then just through some just course of events, you find out that they're just so far from God. And like, what? Remember so-and-so how on fire they were for God? Oh, yeah. It's like, what, what happened to them? And I saw them on Facebook or Instagram. And wow, I just I I can't believe the change that's happened in their life. You guys know what I'm talking about. We could give different scenarios, but we all know those kind of things that happen. Now, I'm not saying what I'm preaching applies to every one of these scenarios. I'm not saying that at all, but I can tell you that this is a big part of this. I, I, I can tell you that when he said in verse two of what happened, it has to do with, and you are puffed up. It's the application that... Cultural. It was, was, he's doing an illustration in this passage, and he's actually talking about making bread. Okay, and you're thinking that's weird. I know it's weird, but hang with me for a minute. He said, Your, verse six, he said, Your glorying is not good. He said, You should not be like, Hey, things are great. They're not great. Know you not that a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. Now, in the Old Testament, they had a number of celebrations. One of the celebrations that they would have, ...was the Passover. They, they would celebrate the Passover. And the Passover was celebration of what God did back in Egypt. Same way that we look back at Christmas and we celebrate the birth of Jesus... ...or we look back at Easter and we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus... ...they had the Passover, so they would look back at Egypt... ...when they were trapped in darkness and they were trapped as slaves... And God stepped in and he did the 10 plagues. And on the 10th day, God instructed anybody that would obey to take the lamb, sacrifice the lamb, put the blood on the doorpost. And when the spirit of God, the death angel would come through, if they saw the blood, they would pass by them. Now, part of the feast on the inside was that they would eat the lamb and they would also have the leavened bread or the unleavened bread that they had inside of there. Now, unleavened bread looks kind of like this. So so you have an idea. It's a flat bread. And it doesn't fluff up like our kind of bread. It was way different. Uh, during communion, the last communion, I use this as an illustration because the, the idea of the communion was part of this. So it, was, it represents Christ. as how it looks like it was bruised and it was pierced and it's beat down and it's flattened. And, and all the things that it goes through. And then he says, this is my body broken for you as often as you do this to in remembrance of me. But it represented Christ because they would use the illustration of yeast as sin. Now, we love yeast, okay? Can I get an amen right there? We love yeast. And you say, I don't think I love ye-. Oh, you love yeast, okay? Because this is our bread right here. Uh, it's puffed up. It's it's carb-loaded, okay? We love carbs, okay? Now, you're not going to say amen to this, but I know you're all thinking it. I love bread, Okay. Feel like Oprah right now. It's like I just you just love bread. It's like rolls and biscuits and and all these other things. We love bread. We love going to a restaurant that has bread that they throw on the table, okay? It's we we love bread. It's puffed up. The illustration was the fact that it doesn't take much to puff up that bread. So in the Old Testament, they would have this feast or these, these ceremonies and he would say to get rid of all the yeast in the house. He said, I don't want there being any yeast because the yeast represented sin. So what they would do is they would ex- ex- use this illustration of, of how yeast represented sin, even to the point where he compared the Pharisees. He says, beware, beware ye of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. So a lot of times when we're talking about biblical illustrations of sin, he ties it in and uses the illustration of, of like yeast. You know why? Because yeast has such a big effect on things. He says in verse 6 again, Your glorying is not good. Know ye that a little leaven leaveth the whole lump. The, the illustration was so good because you think about how sin is. It doesn't take much. Just like yeast doesn't take much. You just take a little bit and you can have this whole thing of dough and you put it in there and all of a sudden it completely alters every aspect of that bread and it puffs it up. The way that yeast works is yeast rots. It's kind of gross, but that's what it does. Yeast rots. And the gases from the rot raises the bread. That's, that's what we have. So it's, it's, a, it's a process that happens. You have to leave it there. You can leave it flat. You come back and all of a sudden you, you've got that loaf of bread and then you bake it. And he was talking about the illustration is that it doesn't take much to put, to pull into your life or pull into the church or whatever it is, for just a little bit of that will leaven or change or alter the whole lump. It changes the whole aspect of the bread. And, and I, I know this goes back to a couple messages when we were talking about pornography and sexual sins and it goes deeper than that. It's the same thing as bitterness, same thing as anger. The same thing as rebellion. Have a little rebellion in your heart as a teenager as an adult. Like, I hate God or I hate my parents or whatever. I promise you, that little bit, you just say, oh. well, nobody's perfect. It alters every aspect of your life. So here's the instruction. Purge out, therefore, the old leaven, that ye may be a new lump, as, as ye are unleavened. For even as Christ or Passover is sanctified for us. He said, purge. It means to cleanse thoroughly. Get all this sin out. He, he said, I, I want to remove it from your life. I, I, I want the word of God to be a filter where you're removing that which is altering your state or changing you. Let me go back to that teenager, that kid that grew up in church, and all of a sudden they get around the wrong influence. And they have that one friend or that one person they're dating, or they go to work And at work, they have that one friend that hangs out with them break time or whatever and just takes that little bit. Have you ever tried that? Oh, Mr. Christian, Mr. Holy Roller. Oh, you're you're that too good for us person, whatever. Okay, I'll try it. It just, all of a sudden, it's that little leaven that all begins to change and alter and, and affect every aspect of it. He says in verse eight, therefore let us keep the feast, not with the old leaven, not with that attitude, not with rebellion, not with sin, not with porn, not with all those things, Neither with the leaven of malice and wickedness. So now all of a sudden he's taking this bread illustration of baking bread and he begins to pull it into the application of what he's trying to teach us. Not with malice and wickedness. Malice and wickedness is evil or the spread of evil. It's to be malicious or whatever. It's, it's, you're on an agenda. You're, you're doing something. That's what the malice means. Or wickedness. Things that are completely wrong. He said, but with unleavened bread or without the sin or without the yeast of sincerity and truth. He was trying to make a principle of this. Christians do not in their life mix right and wrong. It's easy for us to do. I go to church. I praise God. I do this, but I have this one area of my life that's not. You listen to music, and all it does is curse God, sing about sex, sing about drinking, sing about cuss words. It's got explicit, whatever. Like I love my, I love getting my praise on in Sunday. Get into your car, and all of a sudden you're doing that. That little leaven leaveth the whole lump. It's not godly. It's wickedness. It's it's malicious. It pulls you away from God. It doesn't set your affection on things. It doesn't cause you to praise. It doesn't cause you to worship. It it doesn't cause you to follow God at all. It pulls you away. Mixing together does not work. But we try to do that, don't we? That's why James, and I've said this a number of times, James 1.8 says this, a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. It's like, I love Jesus. I love going to church. (laughs) I love dating that person that doesn't go to church and doesn't love God. But, oh, they're so cute. Or, man, she's so hot. Or, Man, they, they just make me feel good, or when I'm around them, whatever. And that influence that's on there that they're like, oh, so let me guess, you're going to church again. Oh, you do good, and you think you're better. Then all of a sudden, that little leaven changes your heart. Watch this. Watch this application, verse 9. I wrote unto you in an epistle not to keep company with fornicators. It's not just a sin, but those living in sin that has the, uh, the influence on you that rubs off on you. He's talking about this because he said that little leaven will well, leaven the whole lump. That little sin, that little influence is going to change you. The word company means to fellowship with those that live in sexual sins. But the application could be anything. And actually uses different applications as we go about this. So let, here's the main point. And then I've got uh, three subpoints, and then we're done. Just one point this morning. We're to purge out of your life the wrong kind of friends and influences. Now, before you start getting all, oh my goodness, we're supposed to run the other way, I'm going to clarify with this. The word company means to mix together those that have influence over your life. And, and guys, let me tell you right now, I know that you're going to say, uh, man, this sounds radical or this sounds extreme. First of all, is God Adonai, which is the master of your life? Stop pushing away the things that don't make sense to you. Because I tell you, the, the way of the world and this attitude that we have is not working. It's not working. And let me explain this. It's, it's, we're talking about those that you're dating or those that have influence or those that you sit at the table with you or those that have uh, influence in your life. So let me just clarify this because Paul clarifies this as he's teaching this. Number one, we are to reach the lost. He said in verse 10, because he, he, as soon as you say, not to not the fellowship with fornicators and all this, and you're thinking, the whole world is that. I mean, everybody out there is doing one sin or the other. So he says, Yet yeah, not all together with fornicators of this world. He goes, Whoa, stop before you run the other way and build a little cabin in the middle of the woods. And, you know, I just before you isolate yourself and start raising your family in a bubble, let me explain this. Or with covetous, or extortioners, or idolaters. or the, He says, for then the must ye needs go out into the world. He, he said, you need to be in the world. To be in the world, but not of the world. But the principle that he's teaching is, man, the world needs Jesus. And the world needs you. It's, it's not talking about rejecting those that are, are in the world. We're to go to the lost. We're to go to the darkness. We're to be the right of the world. Jesus ate with publicans and sinners. It's important for us to befriend them and to love them and to lead them and to have influence over them. It's important that we do that. It's important that we reach out to them and to be kind and care for them. But I'll tell you, Jesus didn't walk away with the influence of the world on him, but vice versa. This is why, let your light so shine before men that they might see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Why does God use the illustration of light? Well, one thing, because light is drastically different than darkness. They don't mix together. You can't mix light and darkness together. You flip on a light, the darkness leaves. You flip off the light, the darkness comes in. You cannot mix light and darkness. You can't. Anytime there's the power of the light, it eliminates the darkness around it. That's the way that God created it to be. Because greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. But I tell you, if you are light, there's a distinction. There should be a distinction about your life when you go to work. There should be a distinction about your life if you are a Christian in your friend group. There should be a distinction about your life when you are playing sports or those activities. You should be there because they might see your good works, that they might see a difference in your life, and step back and glorify your Father which is in heaven. And how that happens is... Hey, I notice you always say no when we're going clubbing. You always say no when we're going to get together and do this. And they just, well, what's so different about you? That they might see the distinction. You know, the problem is when we talk about, well, we're not reaching the world today. Well, a lot of times there's no difference between us and the world. We talk like them. We watch the movies that they watch. We have the attitude that they have. We get mad. We curse. We cuss. We do. And there's no distinction. So what are they seeing? I'm not talking about being a holy roller or, or it's just talking about being distinct. You see, Paul was explaining to them, it's not a matter of the church of Corinth being in the, in the city of Corinth. It's about the tr- city of Corinth being in the church. You guys know what I mean by that? The, the, we're, we're to go into the world and be the light, but there's a problem when the sins of the world end up invading the hearts and the lives of those in the church. Something's wrong. Something's off, something's not adding up. There's a problem. There's a problem. You say, well, the world doesn't hold to a godly standard. Well they don't know the God of our standard. It's funny how Christians get so bent out of shape when the world doesn't do right. Man, did you see what Disney's doing now? Did you see what the world's doing now? Did you see what he has to do? Yes, they're the world. <laughs> stop Stop thinking if they were gonna walk around doing the right things. They don't know Jesus. They walk in darkness. They know not the truth. The, the, the Bible has says that Satan has blinded the eyes of those that believe not. But I, I, I'm telling we are to reach the world. But we're not, a, we're not supposed to have the world affect us or change us. Here's number two. Well, listen to me. We are to confront the saved that are slipping. And I, I, I know that this comes with a, 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 the idea like we don't judge one another. Just listen to me and listen to what the Bible says as we get into this. Verse 12. For what have I to do to judge them also that are without? He says, what, what, what have I to do? Like the, the ones that are lost, I, I can't. It's, they're going to stand. Every knee will bow before Jesus Christ. They're going to bow before Jesus Christ one day. It says, do not ye judge them that are within. He's saying I, I, we're not responsible for the lost, but we are responsible for one another. And I know this goes against contrary to what a lot of people think in their attitudes when it comes to judge not one another or don't be my judge or get out of my business. But he says in verse 12, he says those were within. Within what? Within the family. He even says it in verse 11, if any that is called a brother... He makes it very distinct that we're talking about those that are part of the family, those that are connected, those, those that are part of my life, those that are part of my inner fellowship. We, we, you, you talk about what the Bible says about fellowship, love, make application. We're called Fellowship Baptist Church. We're part of each other's lives. We interact in each part of each other's lives. That, that, that's intentional of what we're supposed to do. And say, well, you, it's none of my business. It's amazing how it is my business. It is your business if you're going through a hard time. I'm going through a hard time. Where's everybody? I need people to comfort and help me. You know why? I'm part of the family. And then you get off and you start doing it. Hey, I've noticed something. It's like, get out of my business. Who are you? It's like, whoa, wait a minute. So I'm there when I rejoice and I'm there to back you up and I'm there to celebrate when something goes wrong. But remember, we are the body of Christ. Can the hand say to the leg that I have no need of you? The the, the thing is, if I step on something in my house, I automatically do this. Ow! You you know what I'm saying? It's like I I hold whatever hurts because God made the body to react to the hurts of the whole body because the body is connected to the body. Every aspect of the arm and the leg and everything else is connected together. We're to minister to the every parts of the body. God made us that way. We are in family, and family does not ignore the things in your life that will hurt them. It's like a parent being in a house and the kid goes into, you know, the the back room or they go into underneath the sink and they get out a thing of poison and they start drinking it in there. And I jump up to like stop them and they say, what are you doing? I can't be the judge of that. So what were they drinking poison? I know that's going to hurt them. Well, who are you to get in his business? You say, that's ridiculous. It is. Why? Because you know something. You see something that's going to hurt somebody else. You stop up and say, hey, baby, this this is poison. You shouldn't be doing this. And and I I love you. And I'm I'm not trying to yell at you. But I'm telling you right now that what you're doing right now is going to cause harm to you. What would we describe that as, Christians? Love. I love you too much to let you do something that's going to harm your life. I love you too much, and we're connected together. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. We have each other's backs. To sit there and say, well, I'm not part of their business. And then, you know one thing that we talk about all the time that we're not getting real about? Is having casualties in the church. You know what I'm talking about? We have casualties in the church. Like, where's so-and-so? I don't know. They disappeared. It's like, well, where do they go? I heard they are insane. Well, that's none of my business. You realize Jesus left the 99 to go after the one. He left the one that was, that was slipping. He was, left the one that got off track. Let me give you some verses about friendship, biblical friendship of who we are. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but kisses of an enemy are deceitful. To walk up to somebody and say, oh man, I love you. I'm not worried about it. It's not big. The kisses of, a, of the enemy are deceitful, but faithful are the wounds of a friend. Hey, I'm going I'm to tell you right now, I love you, but the way that you're treating that person over there, that is not godly, man. And I'm coming to you as a brother because I care about you, and man, that is not like you at all. Man, we're close. I love you. We, we've been friends for a long time, but I, I'm telling you, the, the way that you yelled at your wife in there, dude, come on, that is not right, and you know it. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. In the same chapter, it talks about iron sharpening iron. So does a man sharpen the countenance of his friends. Do you know how iron, you sit there and talk about the application of this? The only way that iron can sharpen iron is iron has to come in contact. Actually, that's not even fully true. Friction. It's not just contact, it's not just touching. But in order for iron to sharpen iron, that, that knife has to scrape across that other metal to knock off the rough edges. That's what they're talking about. Saying to make you better, to make you sharper for the cause of Christ, you have to come in contact with somebody that's close to you to knock off the rough edges. Iron sharpeneth iron. So does a man sharpen the countenance, the demeanor, the morality, the character of his friends. But a lot of times it's like, well, that's not my business. You know what we're doing? We're keeping the iron in the iron way over here and saying, I don't know why Christians are falling apart. I don't know why they got in that affair. I don't know why they lost their kids. I don't know why they got out of church because we're so afraid of offending people that we've gotten so far away from being biblical in the church of confronting Christians that get off track. Galatians 6, one, Brethren, if a man being overtaken in a fault, you which are spiritual, restore such a one with the spirit, uh, the spirit of meekness. Consider thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Here's what he says. Brethren, you know why he opens up the passage with that? Because he's talking to those that are within. Talking about brothers and sisters in Christ. If somebody's being overtaken in a fault, man, they've messed up. Man, they, they, they have a porn problem, or they have a gossip problem, or they have a rebellious problem, or they have a cussing problem, whatever it is, if they've been overtaken with something that is not good, ye which are spiritual, and a lot of times we don't do it this way. Oh, we do it. I'll give them a piece of my mind. I, 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 you're, you're so stupid, or you're so embarrassing, or I can't stand you, and that's why we stop talking to you. You know, it's done without it to know. You know what the Bible talks about if you're going to confront these things, Ye that are spiritual, that are coming to them with an attitude that I want to help you. I'm not here just to rip your face off or here's my opportunity to voice my opinion. Or I told you, or this is a long time coming because I know how you are. If you come to them in the flesh, you'd be better off keeping your mouth shut. Keep your mouth shut. They, don't, they, they need you to come to a spirit of meekness with the attitude of restoration. Not an attitude of I told you so. If we get serious about this we'd have less casualties in church let me say it's the same thing we talk about going to people going to them i, I, I say this to the adult if, if, you, if you see a brother or sister in christ that are slipping out of church call them up and just say hey I haven't seen you guys in a while i love you guys what's up you see a husband that is not being faithful to his wife dude what in the world? The way you were treating those girls and flirting like that, man, that is not right. You know it's not right for teenagers to be around friends and th- them start having this attitude that you know it's like oh, I'm going to cuss because it's cool. No, it's not. We, 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 man, that's not what we do. Call them out. The kisses of deceit are of the enemy. They sit there and say, "Well, I don't. I don't who am I to say I don't care? It's not my thing. That's 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 the the enemy. The kisses of deceit. It's like." I'm going to let them keep doing wrong because of the fact is I don't want to confront what's right. The Bible says in Hebrews 10 and let us consider one another to provoke unto loving good works. The word consider is to take notice of each other. You know what my job, your job is? Not just my job. It says one another. It doesn't say preacher, it doesn't say pastor, it says one another. Let us as Christians provoke one another to, to poke, agitate, stir up loving good works. Love for God, love for one another is the two greatest commandments in the Bible. And good works. Man, what are you doing? And come on, let's get involved and let's serve God and let's get our hearts right. Love and good works. Paul's not done. We raise loss, we confront the saved that are slipping, and we remove fellowship with those that refuse to get it right. But now I have written, verse 11, unto you to not keep company. If any man that is called a brother be a fornicator, or a covetous, or an adulterer, or a railer, or a drunkard, or extortioner, with such a one, no, not eat. I'm not talking about those that are struggling. I'm not talking about those that have issues. Because I tell you what, if that was the case, none of us would talk to anybody. You guys know what I'm talking about. Every one of you have issues. I have issues. We slip up. We make mistakes. We struggle in life. Man, if, if, if we were all perfect, we wouldn't even need to be here right now. I'm not talking about struggles in life. You guys know what I'm saying. It's, it's not a matter of struggling in life. If, if you, but if anyone says that they are saved and they have a rebellious spirit, if, if you get around them and all they do is talk perverted all the time, going back to the thing about fornicators that he says... Or they're constantly pushing you. That friend that pushes you to drink, it's, come on, man, stand up, be the man, oh, 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 all this other stuff. That's not a friend. It's not a friend. You have friends that are, are, are your friends in the youth group, and they're the ones sitting there saying, well, why don't you cuss with like a real person, and oh, you, you, you got your, you, you that, are, you're dating, and I, I bet you haven't made a move yet. Oh, that's right. You're still a virgin. And just constantly, that's not a friend. A friend is somebody that's going to pull you closer to Jesus Christ. And a friend is somebody that's going to iron sharpeneth iron. You're going to make them better. But we lose our kids. We lose our spouses. We lose our marriage because all it takes is a little leaven. It takes a little sin to get in your life. And you're just saying, well, it's no big deal. It's no big deal. It's no big deal. Until it rots in your life and it takes over and it consumes and it it consumes the whole body, the whole mind, the whole heart. And after time, it's not—it's not just an attitude you can look back to. It's a friend that you can look back to, saying, "Man, when I started hanging around so and so, and they were constantly tearing me down for living for God and wanting to do—I'm not talking about the world. I'm not talking about those that are slipping or struggling." I'm talking about that person that could care less about you and care less about God and care less about church. And every time you confront them, they're just like, get out of my face. I'll do my own thing. Say, this doesn't make sense. God has a plan to protect your heart. He said this in verse 11, with such a one, know not to eat the application is there it's not that you and your family go into Chipotle and another family's there and go we know they're wicked and you walk out of Chipotle don't do that I'm not saying that you know what I'm saying it's for teens say everybody's coming over to my house and you're going to have that one teenager that you know is going to push to watch a video that you shouldn't watch oh, did you see this? share this, send this picture I bet you won't one that cusses and oh you're, you're so good you're so that one guy friend that you hang out with that you get go out with the guys and you know they're going to talk you into doing something stupid a girl that's constantly constantly running people down your husband knows you get home and it's like man what is wrong with you, babe? you, you every time you go over, hang out with them, you come back so mad at God mad at church mad at the world man it's, it's, it's time to like, hey, it's better that I just... You guys know what I'm saying? I know it just sounds judgy. The churches know why. It's, it's, it's just guarding our hearts. said in 1 Corinthians 15, just a few chapters later, be not deceived. Evil communications corrupt good manners. Awake to righteousness and sin not. But when he says in verse 33, be not deceived, it's like, you say, "Does it's not a big deal. Be not deceived. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you the truth. I, I want your mind saying it's something else. Be not deceived. Evil communication. The things that you say, the things that you watch, the people that you hang out with, those evil communications, those that are constantly speaking in your head and mind, corrupts good character, corrupts good attitudes, corrupts Morality corrupts it's that yeast that begins to rot. How did we start losing our kids? Let me ask you, who did you start hanging around? What influences got in your life? What music's in your head? What 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 movies are we watching? What what music that garbage that sits there and just sings about sex and drinking and drinking and drinking and drinking and drinking? And drinking? just is it pulling you closer to God or away from God? But them that are without, God judges. Therefore, put away from among yourselves that wicked person. I did not say shun. I did not say mistreat. I did not say blackball them. I'm not not saying to write them off. That is not godly. That is not Christian. And that's where teaching like this gets so messed up. See them in Walmart. Oh, come on, kids, let's go to the other What? Stop! They're not the enemy. I, I'm just saying you better protect your heart against the negative influences that pull you down. We're called to be different. You guys hear me? We are called to be different. But we're being real and honest. We're losing the battle in a lot of ways. We're losing our kids. They go, they go off to college. They get they get in, up in and aging. We're just like, what happened? What happened? What happened? I stop. Maybe it's who happened in their What began to put that yeast, to put that negative thought, to put that those words, or put that influence into their minds?